2 Chronicles chapter 21 through 23 tonight as we work our way through the kings of Judah in the south. 2 Chronicles chapter 21. And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. Father, thank you for your, your precious word, Lord, that we can study, Lord, as a body of believers once again. Lord, let us be ever mindful of your grace and your love through these pages. Even at times, Lord, when we don't understand, we can rest upon your son's gift. That love of the outstretched arms. So, Lord, that you would just guide us into truth tonight and you would comfort us once again in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Last week we were looking at Jehoshaphat and him being a really good king and then really doing dumb things. And the dumb thing was aligning himself with a very wicked king in the north, Ahab. Remember that? He aligned himself. And as we see tonight, even though Jehoshaphat and Ahab are both dead, the legacy of these these two men continue. And they continue, sadly, in the south, in Judah, with Jehoram, because Jehoram is married to Adaliah that we will see tonight. And she was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. <laughs> no spoiler, but it's not good. When you align yourself with the enemy, listen, it may not be right away. It may be not only years down the road, but decades down the road. But it will surface. And that's what we see through the life of these kings. And I don't know about you, but these kings are able to give us so much instruction in life. 4,000 years later, we're reading this. Isn't this wonderful? Nothing new under the sun. So Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. Now he had brothers, and these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, and then the rest of them. See how that works? <laughs> and their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because Jehoram would have been the firstborn. Because that's exactly what the, the law said and that's what you did. Now Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, verse 4, and he strengthened himself. But note with me, he killed not one, not two. He killed all of his brothers with the sword and also others of the princes of Israel. Now, now I know the answer, so let me say this anyway. How do you think that that happened? Because he had a good woman giving him counsel. He had a good father-in-law at some point. Remember, the father-in-law is gone. Ahab's gone. Jezebel's gone. 
the influence of Ahab and Jezebel are now through his daughter. And now, let's just wipe out an entire family so that you don't have uh, anyone to contest or to rise up against you. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And here it is, verse 6, And he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel of the north, just as the house of Ahab had done. For he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife, again, Adaliah. We'll see her next chapter. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Oftentimes, again, the enemy doesn't have to just come knocking on our door. We do it just well enough by the alliances or the, the ties that we make. And what we learn through the kings is that we must be very careful in the relationships that we have. Don't ever think that this, is, this relationship is harmless. His son to pagans. Got that? Don't ever think that this could be harmless. Don't think of it like that way. Think of it in the perspective of the Bible and what God is trying to warn us about. We have no business being in the enemy's camp, and Jehoshaphat had no business going and seeing Ahab. But as we will see, a nation will suffer because of it. And so the nation starts to suffer because of Jehoram. And I want you to see this he has, we have an eight-year reign of terror in the south because of compromise, because of his father's compromise. And then Jehoram, because of him aligning himself with Ahab's daughter, who is wicked, and we'll prove it here in a minute, there also is going to be new added doctrines and laws to Judah that will cause the people to sin greatly. And so he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Just as the house of Ahab had done, for he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, And since he had promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. That verse describes grace better than anything else in the Bible. Would we not agree that that God should just go, that's it? I mean, remember that conversation with Mo and God in the wilderness? The Lord's like, Moses, let me destroy the people. (laughs) Let me just wipe them out. And if I was Moses, I'd be like, go ahead, I'll watch. They're wicked. They cry to me all the time, what we don't get, what we get, where's the water, where's the meat, where's the... I've had it too, Lord, go ahead and blow them up. But he doesn't do that. Moses says, no, to protect your name and your covenant that you made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's that same kind of idea here. God had made a covenant with David. And I love the phrase that the Holy Spirit uses in verse 17. I promise to give a lamp. You see, the Jews missed this over and over through the period of time before Jesus, that they were a lamp to this wicked world. And they decided to have a members-only club. 
instead of bringing that message to the world. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's grieved by that. Now in the days Edom, verse, did I, yeah, verse 8, yes. Did I say 17 earlier? Wow. It's time for me to raise the font level on my iPad. (laughs) But I can do it. (laughs) In his days, Edom revolted against Judah's authority and made a king over themselves. For some time now, Edom was essentially a client kingdom or a state that was run by Israel. David had conquered them, and so they were giving taxes unto Jerusalem, but they could sense a weakness in Jehoram, and so they decide that they are going to rebel against that. And note with me, and they made a king over themselves. And so Jehoram went out with his officers and all of his chariots with him, and he rose up by night, and he attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and the captains of the chariots. Not good when you're surrounded. That's just free. Thus Edom had been in revolt against Judah's authority to this day. And at that time Libna revolted against his rule because he had forsaken the Lord God of his father. So the Lord is allowing this to happen as well. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit harlotry and led Judah astray. Now the kings before this, for the most part, they had been taken down the high places. Jehoshaphat had done that, and, and the, uh, the word noted that. But now we see a reversal. It's kind of like having a good economy and then having the next president come in and destroy it all. Hypothetically. Or reverse laws for life. It's, it's frightening to me what a human being is willing to do. Uh, I, I don't want to go down that path that I, I, I was kind of happy in a good mood. <laughs> and I still have hope in the Lord because I have no hope in man. But I want you to see that governments can promote wickedness by laws. That's what this is like. You're free to do X, Y, and Z. And it's okay. Well, it's against God's law. Ah, that doesn't matter. It's not against ours. Moreover, he made the high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit uh, harlotry and led Judah astray. It's not here, but we have it in Kings as well. When we see this worship of the pagan gods and idolatry, most of the time it involves also the worship of Molech, which is their form of abortion. It is them sacrificing their children to their gods. The church is afraid to say and stand up that life is the most important thing that God holds. We have a constitution that says life is important. The pursuit of life, liberty, and what? Happiness. No other nation on planet earth protects what we protect. We soon will not protect that if they get in office. 
because what is about to be put in office and the people running those offices are so anti-life that we will have a Jehoram in the White House. I'm not afraid to say that because that's exactly what we're going to get and they're not hiding it one bit. Anytime a nation, verse 11, sanctions evil and says it's okay, God will deal with that nation. He will. And if he doesn't, then he's not a just God, but we know he is. Amen? Now, we just happen to be in the midst of that. So we need to pray like the Israelites in Goshen. Lord, pour the plagues upon the Egyptians and not us. He can do that. He's done it before. Verse 12. Now, this is not the letter you ever want to get, just so you know. And a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet. Now, Elijah the prophet's job was to be the prophet in the north because the north had all wicked kings. They had no good kings. So God said, I got to send all of them up there. And so he sends this letter. (laughs) And it says, thus says the Lord God of your fathers, David. Because you have not walked in in the ways of Jehoshaphat, your father, or in the ways of Asa, king of Judah, but you've walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. And I want you to read it like this. Because you've walked in the ways of the world, you've thought worldly, you act worldly, you don't act holy, and you don't think about protecting the unborn. You walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlot of the house of Ahab and also have killed your brothers and those of your father's household who were better than yourself. Now listen, again, you don't want to get that letter, but isn't that kind of funny? That is like Elijah's writing it out and he's like, oh, wow, Lord, you want me to put that in? Yep, put that in there. Your brothers were better than you. Behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction. Again, you don't want to get that kind of letter from the prophet of the Lord. Not only you, but your children, your wives, and all of your possessions. See, we think that when we sin, it's just about us. But it infects so many other people. And leaders don't realize in Washington when they make a law... It's not going to hurt those kids in government schools. It affects them. That's why they're rioting on the streets. Because of the programs and the this and the that and the evolution and all of this anti-God has made them think the anti-police. Anybody raised with the ideas (laughs) that you respected the police no matter what? Because they could whack you around back then. It's kind of like the rule in your neighborhood. If you did something wrong, your neighbor could whack you, and then when your dad found out that your neighbor whacked you, you got whacked again. And we all survived. And we were a better people for it. Oh, behold. Again, you just don't want to hear, you don't want to see this kind of letter. Well, Verse 15, you will become very sick with a disease in your intestines. 
the King James says it this way, in your bowels. So if you got the King James, you got the old school. Now, until your intestines come out by reason of the sickness day by day. Woo! When the Bible describes stuff, it describes it. Don't you love that? Like, that is... I don't want to watch that video, by the way. Anyone else? We'll just fast forward that right in heaven. Pass, go past that. <laughs> Moreover, not just that. The Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabians who were near the Ethiopians. God allowed the enemies of Judah to encompass Judah, to take hold of them. This is what happened in the days of the judges. And God brings that back to the nation of Israel. <laughs> and you will become... No, no, I already did that. I was, I was going back to the intestines. I don't want to. Uh, and they came up against Judah and invaded and carried away all the possessions that were found in the king's house, also his sons and his wives. And so there was not a son left to him except for Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. Now, after all of this, the Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease, and then it happened in a course of time at the end of the two years, two years this was going on, that his intestines came out because of his sickness, and so he died in severe pain, and his people made no burning for him like the burning of his fathers. That means they didn't burn him up. And he was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. Listen to this. No one's sorrow because of that. They did not weep for Jehoram. <laughs> they buried him in the city of David, but not in the kings of Israel. This compromising sinful king was not mourned when he died. He is one of the most unlovely of all the kings of Judah, exalted by Jehovah. That's what his, main, his name meant. But for his wickedness, he was thrown down like just any common northerner king. Oh, don't get into the northern thing. Northern king. I was not going there. Where am I? What's the next chapter? There it is. 22. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his stead. For the raiders who had came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. And so Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Now Ahaziah was was instructed by the Lord to bring judgment to the house of Omri. So we've got Adaliah, remember her, she's coming up. Now he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do so wickedly. <laughs> so, a lot of things going on there in that first chapter that we read. Here's the point of the second chapter. Where do you get your advice from? And it better not be from wicked mom. But we tend to get our advice from our family members. But if it's not godly, then it's just Adaliah. 
and Adaliah is wicked. We will see that in a minute. No spoiler. She's wicked. We're going to see that. Sometimes the family members that you need to get advice from is the body of Christ family members. Those inside of this room. Oftentimes our human family can give us really bad advice. Just like Adaliah. Listen, if you've got somebody that God sends specifically against your entire family, I'd stay away from that family. And so, verse 3, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother had advised him to do so wickedly. Therefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for there were, I'm sorry, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. So the counsel that Ahaziah is getting is not only bad, but it continues to be bad. Again, parents have a really huge effect on their children. Have you figured that out? Good or bad. As parents, as Christian parents, we dare not ever give our children this kind of Adaliah advice. Well, let's see how this is going <laughs> to play out. He also followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Haziel, king of Syria, and Ramoth Gilead, and the Syrians wounded Jehoram. Now, there is a Jehoram in the north and a Jehoram in the south. Don't get them confused. They're just two different Jehorams. Got it? Let's move on. <laughs> so the advice was, hey, go keep hanging out with the wicked guys in the north. That's the advice. Continue to align yourself with the wickedness. Now, listen. I don't want to go off on this tonight, but I, I just want to make this point. We keep hearing that we need to compromise when it comes to a certain party in Washington. And we keep doing that, and we keep doing that, and nothing seems to go on our side almost never, ever, ever. Did I say ever? And yet we keep doing it. And we keep doing it, and we're told, keep doing it, keep doing it. And what do we get? As a political movement, I'm not talking just believer, just talking about politics. Who likes meeting at church? Okay, there's like four of you. What's wrong? No. The other side wants you not to. Don't want the body of Christ to be together. Proof California. Proof New York. Until they got the slap down from the Supreme Court. Right on, right on. If you don't believe me, see their policies across this country. But we keep hearing, compromise, compromise. You know what? Sometimes the best thing that we can do is just stand on the principles that we hold. Because if not, it'll all be gone. And no one won't see the difference between anything. It'll just be one. Like Russia, like China, like you name the country. Like Venezuela, where we got our voting machines from. Do you see now? It seems funny and then till it's actually tragic. 
But we keep doing the same things, just like these kings did. Oh, just align yourself again with that evil group. Okay. And then it turns out bad. I wonder why it turned out bad. Because you go against the Lord. And you go against what he says is important, which is life. And so he followed their advice, and he went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war. And I just add, again, against Haziel, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians wounded Jehoram. And he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds in which he had received at Ramah. And when he, I'm sorry, when he found against Haziel, king of Syria, and Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. Why? Why are you doing that? Because you're getting bad counsel from Adaliah. Now, going to, uh, his going to Jehoram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. Please underline that if you need to which means God uses events in our life for the purposes to refine us or to judge us. And so God uses that opportunity, that occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. And when he had arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. Jehu's responsibility, you can read it in Kings, was to take Omri's house out because of the wickedness. Now, you just happen to be there, Ahaziah. You're not supposed to be there, but you're there, and you're going against the guy who was directed by God to take out your enemies. Not going to go good. And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab, and he found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who served Ahaziah, that he killed them. And then he searched for Ahaziah, and they caught him. And he was hiding in Samaria. And they brought him to Jehu, and when they had killed him, they buried him because, they said, he was the son of Jehoshaphat who sought the Lord with, his, with all of his heart. And so the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. Verse 10. Now when Adaliah, the mother of Azariah, Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed, because she's a good woman here, all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. When Adaliah, remember, is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And so she is going to want to take the power from any other person unto herself. Again, she had a bad influence not only on her husband, but on her son, Jehoram and Ahaziah. And so now Adaliah destroys Don't be depressed yet. Don't do it. Don't go down that path. But Jehoshabeth, 
the daughter of the king took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him with his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was a sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Adaliah so that she did not kill him. So this little-known woman, Jehoshabeth, one person in the midst of all the slaughter that is going on, one person stands in the middle of evil and says, I'm going to do something because what's going on is wrong. Sometimes it takes one. Sometimes it takes one pastor to stand up against an unlawful authority. Sometimes it takes one restaurant owner in New York. Where are the one anymore? Where are, the, where are God's people to stand up in the midst of tyranny? To say, as for me and my house, we're going to church. Through her courage, and I might add ingenuity, this is pretty, pretty good. David's line and Messiah would still reign. Evil people like Adaliah begin their work, but God always raises up a Jehoshaphat. Isn't that good news? I told you not to be depressed. We still got another chapter to go. It's good news, isn't it? Adaliah brings a reign of terror. Notice, and he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years. She did not know that Joash was there. Now, <laughs> Jewish tradition tells us that they hid in a room of excess furniture, like beds and mattresses, and they just hid there inside of the temple for six years. Notice it says, while Adaliah reigned over the land. Let me read to you from G. Campbell Morgan, one of my favorite um, Bible teachers of the last century. There are hours in human history when it seems as though evil were almost all-powerful. <laughs> it entrenches itself in great strength. It builds up great ramparts. It inaugurates policies of the utmost craft and cleverness. It seems to be able to bind together a kingdom which is invincible. All this is false seeming or false thinking. There is no finality, no security in the apparent might of iniquity or sin. What did G. Campbell Morgan say? Let me translate from the 1800s. He goes, evil stands and comes, but God is greater than that. And God, are we done with planet Earth yet? I would hope really quick, but we're not yet. So until we're done, God still has a plan, amen? He has something that he is going to accomplish yet still. And because we are not finished with that plan, although evil thinks that it wins, it never does win. Although a guy like Marx rises up and he thinks he wins, he won't. A guy like Adolf Hitler rises up, he thinks he wins, but he doesn't. 
and on and on it goes. And Adelias will always rise up. But what needs to happen is that Jehoshabeth's need to rise up. And we're going to see her husband now. (laughs) He gets into it because his name is Jehoiada. Chapter 23. In the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself. I'll tell you, you need a good woman to strengthen a man like that. And this is what God has in his design and his plan. And so Jehoiada was strengthened, and he made a covenant with the captains of hundreds. Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Jehoiam, and Azariah, the son of Obed, and Manasseh, the son of uh, the rest of these guys. And they went, verse 2, throughout Judah and gathered the Levites, and I might add, the Le- those are the priests, so the Levites, eh, priest. They gathered the Levites from the cities of Judah and the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. And they all assembled, and they made a covenant with the king in the house of God. He's how old? Seven. Joash, seven. <laughs> And he said to them, Behold, the king shall do, one-third of you entering on the Sabbath, of the priest and of the Levites shall keep watch over the doors. By the way, this is is a great plan he comes up with. So one-third on the Sabbath. That's not going to arise suspicion because it's the Sabbath. So priests are naturally going to come into the temple. And then one-third shall be at the king's house. That's where Adaliah is and one-third at the gate of the foundation. And all the people shall enter into the court of the house of the Lord. So it's the Sabbath day. Let's just all gather together. But let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priest of those of the Levites who serve, that they may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Verse 7. And so the Levites shall surround the king on all sides. Every man, his weapon in his hand, and whoever comes into the house, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. Now, I have a little uh, rebellious nature. Anyone else? This is what happens when we're Americans. This rebellious state, I, I, I love it because I love that it says the Levites had weapons. That's just me. Don't let it throw you. <laughs> I see those guys strapping on a sword, but what would they have today? Something a little bit different, wouldn't they? When the revolution happened in this nation, there was something called the Black Robe Regiment. And I forget the guy's name. I'm sorry. I blanked on it. I was going to write it down, and then I forgot about it. And maybe through this, I'll remember it. But when we were in Washington, D.C., his statue is there. He was a pastor. And he gave this amazing message. I'll try to remember his name. He gave this amazing message at his church. And when he was done, he took off his robe. And underneath his robe, he had a Continental Army uniform. He turned around, he grabbed his rifle, and he went to fight. He went to fight so this country would have religious freedoms. Now, I I don't want to be unloving, 
But I can't tell you how many pastors would never even think of that today. And yet, this nation was founded upon people rebelling in churches because that's where you met. The pastors gave those messages, gave the people hope. <laughs> I love that it came from... My wife just texted me. This is the problem with having my iPad up here. <laughs> Peter Muhlenberg is his name. Thank you. Having a good woman strengthening my side. Did you see that from the first verse? And so there's a statue of him there in the Capitol Rotunda. You mean a pastor is there? Oh, he'll, once they learn about him, he's gone because of the cancel culture. But he took off his robe. He took off his pastor's robe, and underneath it was his, his uniform, and he grabbed his rifle. Now, Matt, for years, has wanted us to put a, a rifle stand up here or something that we had just at any time, I'll just walk over, <laughs> grab my rifle. So we see these Levites protecting the king because it's right. There was something important for those priests to protect because it was godly and it was right. So, too, I believe this nation is worth protecting from outside and inside. And I don't know when that is, but I would pray that God would give us a heart to rise up and do what's right. Now I'm going to get letters and Facebook will ban us because we are promoting violence. No. We're just reading the Bible. <laughs> but the Bible will be banned later on too. So, verse 8. So the Levites and all Judah did according to Jehoiada the priest and his commandments. So each man who were able to be on duty on the Sabbath and those who were going off duty on the Sabbath. So Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the divisions. Now, the, these the divisions were a group came on, they served, and then they came off. So they would do these one-month services. And so he kept those guys around. And so Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of hundreds, note, the spears and the large and small shields which had belonged to King David. They went in to the armory and found these old weapons that are now by this time hundreds of years old, and they're using them, which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. The weapons were in the temple of God. Don't anybody get any more ideas. I already gave you enough tonight. Then he said, all the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along the altar and by the temple, all around the king, and they brought out the king's son and put a crown on him. He's seven years old, remember that. And gave him the testimony, that's the law of Moses, and made him the king. And then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him, and they said, long live the king. If you have the King James, you might have God save the king because it was done in 1610 by King James. So you might have God save the king, but it's long live the king. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure Adaliah is not going to go along with this. Now, when Adaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people 
in the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillars at the entrance, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing their trumpets and the singers with musical instruments and those who led in praise. This, I mean, they're having a great time. Why? Because they just did something that God had directed them to do, which was holy and right. They were standing against that which was evil. And so Adaliah tore her clothes and said, treason, treason. <laughs> now, when you, you kind of read that and you, you're like, what did you just say? Well, I've been meaning to read this definition for a while too. So I thought no better time than to give you the definition of George Orwell of what's called doublespeak because Adaliah just used it. Doublespeak derives from the two Orwellian words, doublethink or newspeak. Doublethink is when a person accepts two mutually contradictory thoughts as correct <laughs> without being aware or troubled by the glaring contradiction between the two of them. Did you see that? Oh, it gets better. Doublethink statements like war is peace, freedom is slavery, <laughs> ignorance is strength, are made without discomfort. You see, newspeak is a method of controlling thought through language. And it is the language of fake news. He said that way back in the 30s. Is Orwell a prophet or what? He knew CNN was going to be around. Sorry. <laughs> doublespeak combines doublethink. And newspeak is a language that deliberately obscures, dis distorts, disguises, or reverses the meaning of the words to manipulate public opinion in a mass social engineering effort. 1930s. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So she says, she's using doublespeak. She says, treason, treason. Wait a minute. Who's the one that's being treasonist? It's her. It's her. You ever know? No, I'm going to leave that for another time. So Jehoiada and the priests brought out the captains and hundreds who were set over the army, verse 14, and said to them, take her outside under guard and slay her with a sword, whoever follows her. For the priests had said, do not kill her in the house of the Lord. Excuse me. So they seized her and they sent, uh, and sent, I'm sorry, and she went by the way of the entrance to the horse gate into the king's house, and they killed her there. It's kind of appropriate, not even to go through man's gate, but a horse gate. And so they took her life. Verse 16, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the people and the king that they should be the Lord's people. Remember, they have been under oppression by terrible politicians for years now. Adaliah, who should not be there, but she stole it. The people went to the temple of Baal. Why is there a temple of Baal in Jerusalem? Why is that? Because of the alliance years ago with Ahab and Jezebel. The compromise that was made years ago 
got them their own Baal temple. I love it. They tore that sucker down. They broke it into pieces, the altar, the images, and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altar. They ain't playing around. You got to deal with evil in a serious way. You can't play around with it and you can't keep it around. You got to wipe it out. And so Jehoiada appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord as it is written in the law of Moses with rejoicing and with singing as it was established by David. And he set the gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord so that no one was in any way unclean should enter. So it would lead us to believe that they just let anybody into the Temple Mount at that time. Again, violating God's word. And so he took the captains of hundreds and the nobles and the governors of the people and all the people of the land and brought the king down from the house of the Lord and they went through the upper gate of the king's house and set the king on the throne of the kingdom. And so all the people of the land rejoiced. Please note with me what happens when you have good leadership. The city was quiet, for they had slain Adaliah with a sword. They had removed that which was causing their, their country and their worship of God to be polluted. They took that away, and it took one person to start the whole thing. One. We often think that our voice doesn't matter, but it just takes one person to stand up and say, I've had enough of this or that. I'm going to go to this new social media platform where they don't, they don't ban me. I'm going to do this or that, or I'm not going to shop there when they make me violate my own principles. The Bible is so relevant for today. <laughs> Don't you love that if we just read the Bible as a church, we can continue to be strengthened? But sadly, how many churches won't even dive into Chronicles to instruct their people? in the ways of God's grace and mercy. I pray that we would be like Jehoiada, that we would be like these people in the Kings and Chronicles who stood up against evil in their time, and God bless that because God's always for life. He's always for righteousness and justice. Amen? Read ahead. Uh, Next week, Lord willing, we're going to get into Joash and as he repairs the temple that has been in disrepair or uh, discombobulated. There are stones all around. There's garbage all around. And Joash is going to help clean up the house of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for men. Oh, they may push all of the boundaries. They may think that they are getting away with evil. But Lord, you do not love, you hate unjust weights and balances. You are for justice and mercy. And Lord, we pray as a church that those things that are hidden would be revealed. 
and that man would not get away with his evil ways. And in our country, Lord, kind of the last country on planet Earth that stands up for righteousness, Lord, if we go away, who will stand up? Who will be the light in this world? That's what happened to Israel. So, Lord, thank you that we can learn from your word, from your people. And so, Lord, we thank you that we gathered together once again. Thank you, Lord, for those serving in Jesus' name. Amen.